What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drunk Boy's Basement, where drunk conversations happen. This is a little bit of a later episode. It's uh, 10.14 Mountains, Mountain Standard Time. And uh, Actually, we weren't going to do an episode this late, but Sean and I spent the better part of two hours trying to figure out how to work his Traeger grill. We couldn't figure it out, so we resorted to the microwave. And this was all in the pretense that we were going to eat dinner and then do our podcast, and it didn't work out. We couldn't figure out how to work his Traeger. So we gave up, used the microwave, and now we're here super late because we try to put these out at, what, 7, 8 o'clock at night at the, at the latest, and this one's going to go out pretty late. It's definitely true. And because I will I, I will add on. It was a very humiliating defeat. It was. We... It was. I didn't realize how complicated Traeger grills are, dude. <laughs> they they get the job done well, but you just need to learn I have how to yet use to them. see it. <laughs> Everybody's been telling me that, but I have yet to see that a Traeger can do the job. One of these days. Yeah. One of these days when it works <laughs> and the pellets are all heated up or whatever. <laughs> Not that propane life where it's just instant heat. Dude, I'm telling you, a propane grill is the way to do food. <laughs> I don't know. You, you got to try the, like, the the thing is that Traeger, it's a smoker as well. I don't want, no, I don't want to, sm- I just want food now. <laughs> and I know for a fact that a propane grill can do that. See, all I'll say is this. Nothing beats air frying. A lot of things beat air frying. <laughs> A lot of things do. Air fried wings. Let's go. <laughs> I've actually never had those. I've never tried. The only what? thing I've 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 only ever air fried bread, and that was because I was making a sandwich. Uh, you're missing out. In fact, I, I in fact, one thing I have yet to try that apparently is amazing is air fried pancakes. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about how that would taste i actually don't think it they, yeah that'd probably be good yeah like breakfast food exactly. air fried breakfast food yeah that could be pretty good it, it's 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 a must sometime that's that's all i know um to preface this episode sean and i have been drinking for quite a while because we were trying to eat dinner and then the dinner didn't happen so then we continue to drink more <laughs> so there might be a little bit of a derailment on this episode but uh, to begin, Sean, <clears throat> excuse me, how was your week? <laughs> I was like, he's getting a very deep question going here. <laughs> I, no, no, there wasn't anything deep about that question. Uh, I have nothing special to say about my week. Nothing special this time. But I want to know how your week was. <sighs> well, um... It was a week. I'm going to be honest. Um, so I guess one of the stories that I could kind of elaborate on, it's it's ongoing legally, so I can't really disclose a lot of information. But in the time that I've worked for my current company, I've been named in 11 lawsuits. See, I just I still find that surprising that they're not like suing but your your company. Well, they are, but I've been personally named in those in those suits because I mean, you in a lawsuit you can name anybody you want. It doesn't That's matter, true. but the fact that I work for the company I work for, they have named the comp but well they've named the company and then they named them uh, named myself. 
alcohol. <laughs> but it's funny because, I mean, I guess you can't, I don't necessarily say that I can be, I, I can say that I've been sued 11 times. My company's been sued 11 times. And I was going to say, they technically can't come after you personally. As, right? an, as an LLC, I'm protected behind their umbrella. That's corporate law protects me behind them. Um, they, they can't turn around and sue me at all, really. I mean, they, they can't. I mean, unless unless if, if I've done something incorrect per their policy, they can the, the worst they can do is fire me. But they can't turn around and sue me for, you know, ill practice or, or ill-gotten gains that they've, you know, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in the time that I've worked for my company, my company has been sued 11 times. All 11 times have been because of me. Not because of my ill practice or anything that I've done wrong, but it's just because of the way I conduct business. People listening might be, well, like, how the fuck does he conduct business? <laughs> like, it's obviously wrong. He's being sued. It's not because I'm doing it wrong. It's because the people that I'm working with disagree with my business practices. I mean, it sounds kind of sketchy. It's very sketchy. <laughs> so one of my um, positions at the company that I work at is as the repossession manager and as some of you have probably gathered by now i work for a company that rents vehicles and sells vehicles and i work on both spectrums so if a vehicle is being rented and the customer is not paying their rent on that vehicle my team gets together and i dispatch them to that location of where the vehicle is and i get it back and on my full-time job, I sell the vehicle. But with my law enforcement background and my legal knowledge, which isn't much, I do a lot of repossessions of these vehicles. And that's kind of just a preface, 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 preface of where I'm going with this. But the reason I got put in this position was because I have, you know, my bail enforcement experience and a lot of other legal experience. So that kind of just culminates in a one massive just 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 wrongness that I should probably not be working with. But see, all I can imagine right now is like you re repossessing all these vehicles during the night, <clears throat> and then during the day you're like, buy these vehicles. Absolutely, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> um. So that's the tricky part about my business is. I am a licensed salesman in all 50 states and I am licensed. I personally am licensed to repossess vehicles in all 50 states and different states vary in their licensing procedures, specifically California. California is super weird, but the company that I employ to do all my repossessions is licensed in all 50 states. Some people will argue with that, specifically the people that I repossess. And they're lawyers, but I do it anyway. But in a roundabout way, um, basically what happened in this situation was we were renting to a client and that client had an individual that was driving one of our vehicles and he was driving the vehicle in Southern California and a semi was in front of him and as semi trucks somehow tend to do, one of the tires of the semi came off of his trailer and rolled back a 
couple cars into the truck of ours that this guy was renting. So it, it destroyed the truck, <clears throat> and it, it well, it totaled the truck virtually, and the, the guy was okay, but the CHP showed up, and it was a horror deal. Police reports were filed and everything. And now keep in mind, this, this is a story that is, it's a very roundabout story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's the only story I have tonight, so deal with it. Um, so the, the, the vehicle was towed to a, an impound yard and there's some black and white issues of what occurred between when the vehicle was dropped and when the vehicle got sold. And what happens with impound yards is if a vehicle remains unclaimed for an unspecified amount of time, depending on the state, the vehicle can be sold legally to whoever shows up at the auction. So what that means is the vehicle was taken from the highway, given to a storage facility. The storage facility garnered all of these payments that they didn't receive. So in order to make those payments back, they sold the vehicle. Now, what I mean by garnering all of these fees that they didn't receive is they were sending notices to the company whose logo was on the side of our vehicle, as well as to us, who the VIN of the vehicle was registered to. Neither party responded, so they just said, fuck it, we're going to sell the car. And so they did sell the car, and at this time I was notified, and one of my employees said, well, sent me an email and said, hey, just so you know, this vehicle got sold. We can no longer take it back. And I said, I don't know what that means. And I started looking into California possession law and all this stuff. And, and basically after like, I don't know, 180 days, so like six months or three months or whatever 180 days equals out to, California is legally allowed to sell this vehicle with all this procedure done. So even if we have title, which we did, we have we own the vehicle still, California lien law says that they can supersede that and sell the vehicle out from under us if we've exceeded 180 days, which is bullshit. I, I think that's stupid. So they did that. My company then sent me a letter and said, hey, we're not able to get this vehicle back. You need to repossess all other 14 vehicles this company has. And I said, okay, I'll do that. So at the time I reached out to the company principal and I said, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. This needs to happen before that can happen and blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, I'm going to cooperate. It's not a big deal. And then he realized that I was serious about repossessing the vehicles. Like I'm going to take these trucks or vehicles or cars or whatever they are by force if you do not relinquish them to my company. And he said, well, I'm not going to do that. So then at that point, I called my boys. Yeah, I've got boys. Don't look at me like that. I've got boys. And they had entered Southern California at this time. And the time span of this repossession, typical repossessions that I do last anywhere from four to six days on average. Why so long? So long, excuse me. Four to six days? We're tr 
Because you realize some of these companies have like five trucks that are in different states, right? Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, four to six days. Don't give me attitude about that. <laughs> so I was made aware of the sale of the first truck. So they had 15 trucks total and the first truck sold. So they have 14 left. I was made aware of... What are you doing down there? I don't know. I'm playing around here. That's not comfortable. Okay. <laughs> so I was made aware of the sale of the sale of the 15th truck in February of 2020. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. So I went back and forth with this company for three or four months. So we're May, right? Let's say May. Well, yeah, May. We're in May. Mm-hmm. And at this point, my company's starting to get kind of agitated, and they're saying, look, we're, we're charging them all this stuff for all these... Be- so, to, to back it up a little bit, they were the, the company that I was repossessing was getting a little bit upset because <clears throat> they were trying to service some trucks, and my company's policy is that we'll pay for some services after a certain amount of mileage is accrued on these vehicles. And the certain amount of mileage was achieved on these vehicles that this company was renting from us for... And we were not fulfilling that. We weren't going to pay these bills. And the reason was because they owed us this money on this truck that we do not longer have. Do not longer, no longer have. Does that make sense? I mean, I think so. I think I'm following so far. Okay. So they, the way it looked to us is they had sold this truck out from under us. The the company that rented. The company that rented had sold this vehicle out from under us. And we want that money back. That's our vehicle. Yeah. And they said, that's not our fault. That's our insurance company's fault because they didn't follow up on the repossession or the, the impound notice and all that. So we said, okay, it's your fault because you're the principal. So we're not going to honor these repair bills that you want to try to achieve with all these other vehicles. And they said, well, that's ridiculous. So at that point, my company issued me a repossession notice. And they said, you need to get all these vehicles back pronto because they're not paying their bill. That's straight up default the contract. So I said, okay, all right, yeah, I'll do that because that's my job, one of my jobs. <laughs> and so I try to do it amicably at the first go around. I, you know, I try to reach out to the company and say, hey, here's what's going on. This is what I need from you. Let's make it easy. I don't want to incur any trend. Because what happens is if it goes to full repo, they have to deal with all the bills that I incur. So transport, moving around, everything that I incur goes to them. They're, that's what they have to pay. It's not my problem. That's theirs because they're not willing to work with me, right? So as a professional, I try to make it professional and say, here's what's going on. Do this for me so you don't have to pay any more money than you need to already pay, right? Such a nice repo. Oh, I'm so polite. Excuse me, <laughs> sir, ma'am. Yeah, I'm very polite. Humble brag. What happens then is they work with me. And this is this is consistent across every company that I've repossessed. They work with me up until the point that they realize, oh, he's actually serious. Like he's going to send people down here to take my vehicles. So that's where this point got to. And I call my boy Charles. Now, Charles owns a company who will remain unnamed, but he has got 
the biggest network of repossession agents that I have ever come across. Like, it's ridiculous. Chattanooga, Tennessee, he's got somebody there. (laughs) He's got someone in Fargo, North Dakota. Anywhere you can think of, he's got a dude somewhere that owes him a favor. It's amazing. So, sure enough, he's got plenty of people Plenty of people stationed in Bakersfield, California. That's where this this account is, and that's where all the trucks are, all the vehicles, and the everything's down in Chat er, Chattanooga, in, ba- <laughs> in Bakersfield, California. And he's like, "Oh, I've got plenty of people down there." So at this point, my company, like I said, issued me a repossession notice, and they said, "You need to get all these vehicles back because they're not paying on that one that they lost." And I said, "Okay." So I do it. And at this point in time, I'm still negotiating with this guy. I'm still saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what I'm trying to work with you. Like I'm talking to my management staff. I'm trying to make all this work. Like I don't want you to give me my, because the thing is, look at this. The thing is, I don't want them necessarily to give the vehicles back because then we don't make any money. I want them to keep the vehicles because they're still going to pay rent. Well, what happened is they weren't paying rent anymore. They gave up paying on all the vehicles they had. They stopped. So then at that point, I was like, okay, you're, you're not making us any money. I'm not making any money off this. So I'm just going to send my guys down there and get all the trucks back. And the thing about my job that's very unique is you have to look at the laws that are implied in the, in the state that you're repossessing in. So every state is different. Every state has these weird different laws. California is pretty liberal, surprisingly. Being that you can you can repossess a vehicle without notice. If at any point you can prove that a client defaulted on a contract, you can take that vehicle back. You don't have to have any proof besides the contract. So to me, it's pretty surprising. The, the, the key or the, the caveat to that though is you can repossess a vehicle that you have on lease or loan or whatever as long as it's on public property. That's the key. Now, the problem we ran into was the guy we were renting from was ex-law enforcement, so he knew a lot of this shit already. So I sent my guys down there, and they tried to repossess. Well, what he did was, to back up a little bit, my company bills for damages on the vehicles, like most companies would, like most rental companies, Hertz, Avis, Enterprise, whatever. They'll bill for damages that are out of their normal scope of damages, my company is the same way. So if you deliver a vehicle back to us that is outside the scope of normal wear and tear, we will bill you for the damages, what it costs us to repair the vehicle. He didn't want those bills to occur on his account because he was already super negative for everything else he owed. So my guys show up in California and they reach out to him and they say, you know, we're part of Flex, we're part of this company. <laughs> and we're also an extension of the legal arm of this company. We're going to take these vehicles back. And he said, yeah, yeah, that, that works for us. But I'm going to send these all to body shops because I don't want any extra bills on my account. Now, keep in mind that these bills are they're, they're, they're very objective. So he can repair something that we don't deem as normal wear and tear. And we'll still bill him for the for the total damages, right? Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you rip a door off and he replaces the fender, we're gonna be like, "Hey, you got the fender, but you owe us a door," kind of a thing. It's kind of a dumb example, but 
Anyway, so the repo team that I employ reaches says all that stuff, and he says, yeah, okay, I'll do that. He sends these vehicles to body shops. Now, a body shop properties, that's private property. Somebody owns that. So my okay. guys can't go on there and take those those vehicles after after they've been fixed because that's private property according to California state law. Okay. So at this point we're May what's we're we're in June at this point. Okay. So I was working with him amicably in May, June finally my company was like you this is wasting our money, you got to get them back. So June 1st I employ these guys, they go out there, right? And throughout June they're tracking these vehicles down left and right. He's got 14 left and he's sending them to different body shops all over Southern California all the time. And they're following up, following up. Hey, when is this done? When is it done? Hey, following up, following up. And it turns out after I really researched this, what he was doing was he was repairing these vehicles at body shops on private property. And then he bought his own vehicle hauler and that's considered private property because he owns it. So, he was sending these vehicles to body shops. He put them on a, a private property. He put them on his hauler, which is private property. And then he drove them back to his yard in Southern California, Bakersfield, which is private property. And he'd sit on them for three or four days and then send our company off rent notices saying, I'm done renting these vehicles. We wouldn't honor those because he was already under repossession, but he would still submit those and saying, I'm done. Stop, stop charging me for these when he wasn't paying for them in the first place. So he was prolonging this process on average about four weeks at a time per truck. So four weeks times 14 is a lot of time. I'm not going to do the math because I'm stupid. (laughs) That's a lot of time. So he was doing that per truck for 14 weeks, basically. I mean, 14 trucks per three weeks is, you know, a big number. (laughs) <laughs> and so finally, and, and what he was doing in between those periods is he was, you know, communicating with the repo team saying, yeah, the trucks, the, the vehicle's almost done. This is done. This is almost done. This, that's done. But he would never let him pick him up from the body shop. It'll all have to be from his yard. And so I know a lot of people listening to this might be on the edge of their seats because it's a super riveting story. But 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 when it was all said and done, the last repossession I did from that company was on September twenty third. So it took me about three months to repossess this entire company. And again, I'll restate on average four to six days to repossess vehicles. Right? And, and <laughs> the biggest repossession I've ever done was thirty seven vehicles, and I did it in six days. I had every vehicle back into my possession in six days. And this was a 14 vehicle account and it took me almost four months. Huh. So definitely makes me think about how I, so the bill was submitted and we owed this company that I employed $25,000. My average repossession bill was about 4,400. So we submitted that to our lawyers because we knew they were going to pay us because they never paid us for the repos- for the actual rental bills. And their lawyer, which they employed, got involved. And our lawyers and his lawyer were going back and forth for a couple weeks. And finally, my president called me and he said, you need to call 
their lawyer and tell them to stop emailing our lawyer because every time he emails our lawyer, it's $1,000 an hour because <laughs> that's what lawyers bill apparently. So I called him and I said, hey, you need to stop doing this, that, and the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. And we got to talking. And he was telling me that he doesn't necessarily think that what he's doing is very beneficial to his client. And the thing that blew my mind was the fact that he'd tell me that on the phone. But what really occurred was the guy that was renting from us, his mom, keep in mind, this guy's like 40-something years old. His mom called his lawyer and told him, told his lawyer that she was going to pay for all the legal bills because her son wasn't good enough for it. So his lawyer on the phone told me that he knows this case isn't going to go anywhere because he was suing us for damages, which in excess of $330,000 of lost revenue that he incurred from us not servicing the vehicles that he rented from us, plus our repossession bill that we sent him. So he, like I said, he's in excess of $330,000. My company turned around and sued him for damages of $330,000 in excess of $2.5 million for some random reason. I don't know why we did that, but we did. <laughs> Whoa. So this whole thing's kind of a weird story. But basically, the dude's mom called his lawyer and told him that I had said, this is where it gets weird. And you need to follow me here. Okay, all right. So dude's mom calls dude's lawyer says that his, her son isn't good for the money that he is paying to him, to the lawyer. The weird part was she also called him lawyer of defendant. We're going to call dude defendant and said that I said she named me. How she got my name, I don't know. And said, Ryan said that it was a voluntary repossession and no fees should be incurred on the repossession since it was voluntary. Those were her words. Two dudes lawyer and my company head said, I need you to like build a statement of fact of everything that occurred between when you started the repo and when you finished it. And I was digging through my emails and I stumbled across an email from defendant that said, I will not give these trucks back. I will not do this willingly. It is not voluntary. You can take these trucks when I'm done with them. And I copied that email and put it in my statement of fact, and I sent it off to our legal team. And on Tuesday this week, our legal team called us and said, I have no idea why these people are suing you. <laughs> they have zero case to any of this. <laughs> Fast forward to Thursday of this week. Guess who is suing us now? Defendant's mom. So what, you got over one case for another? We're being sued by defendant and defendant's mom on separate cases because defendant wants 
330 grand. Defendant's mom wants a half a million because she was abused in the case. Those were her terms specified by her lawyer that called us that had no idea what was going on. <laughs> it was the weirdest week I have ever had at my company to this day. I've been there for four and a half years and he had no clue why she was suing us. So we got a summons in the mail and then he called us out of professionality and said, this is so-and-so. You're being sued by so-and-so for half a million dollars for something that I don't understand. <laughs> it was the weirdest week I've ever had at my job. Oh, goodness. See, thankfully, I don't have to deal with that. I just have to deal with people who you give them the slightest uh, bad experience and they expect thousands of dollars. I've given a lot of people very bad experiences. In my co- and the thing that's funny about it is if I listen back to this when I'm sober, I'm going to be like, what? <laughs> the bottom line is I have two people that are suing me for virtually the same thing. And I say me because in every goddamn lawsuit there has been against my company, it's been me, Ryan, (laughs) in the forefront of this lawsuit. So you just need to make sure you keep folders of like conversations. I have at least six (laughs) folders of emails that I printed out for different lawsuits that I've had that I have pinned all over my office. Like my office walls have conversations of things that people have told me that are not true because they sent me an email that said the contrary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absurd. Oh. And I've dealt with a lot of legal things in my life, but this week specifically was the first time I've ever had a lawyer for another person Say, yeah, I don't know where this is going to (laughs) go. They're just doing it because they're getting paid. That's all they know. (laughs) Even my boss was like, yeah, they just want to get money. Which is funny because they can't even pay us. So how in the Sam hell do you think they're going to get paid? (laughs) Sounds like an area I never want to have to be in. You're sitting there... In all of these these conferences, and you're just taking the brunt of this, and you're you're adding this up in your head, and then at the end of it, you go, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I'm the still word, trying to wrap my head. Yeah, you, that. that's the thing. Is so am I. Okay. <laughs> so the word to the wise is: if you ever get sued, make sure the person that's suing you knows what they're suing you for. Otherwise, it won't go anywhere. I can promise you that. Make sure you have something. Solid evidence and a story that makes sense. That thing, yeah. Because people will be like, well, Ryan, your story didn't make sense. Exactly. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. None of it makes any sense, okay? That's why I don't understand why we're being sued. 
See, now when I try to go to bed, I'm going to be thinking about that story and trying to figure out how it makes sense. Don't think about it because you're going to be like, it makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> That's why I shouldn't be being sued right now. Like Kanye West. Oh. You're, you're Kanye West. You ever see that video? People are like, why are you always being sued? He's like, I like being sued because people actually talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did that really happen? It, yeah, a couple years ago. Oh, God. I didn't d- directly quote him, but he said he liked being sued because people talk to him more. <laughs> I don't think that's right, Kanye. But hey, he's on the ballot, so vote for Kanye 2021. Oh, that would be a great idea. Where yeah, I'm not I'm not even gonna go down that route vote actually. For, vote, for, <laughs> vote for Paris Hilton. Did you hear that Paris Hilton's trying to close down a Provo school because she was abused when she was a kid? Uh I have not heard about this either. You see that? She was she has a uh what's that petition website? I don't know. I don't petition, so I don't ever like There's a pe- petition website. I feel stupid because I don't know We could just Google it. I'd probably come up. I guess I could. <laughs> Peti- I, petition of... website. Hold on. Shut up. Change.org. Stupid. Oh, okay. Told you. There you go. Change.org. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Paris Hilton has a huge uh, following of like half a million people on change.org to shut down Provo High School. Provo. What is it? Hold on. Why? Hold on. Shut up. I'm going to. I'm going to do this right for the first time um it's a youtube video petition of free paris hilton free what Uh, oh i i stumbled into a rabbit's a rabbit's (laughs) hole i don't want to oh there it is um so recently as of september 30th that does not look like paris hilton but uh, Paris Hilton promotes petitioning for calling for Provo Canyon School to be shut down. Um, this is a Utah school? Media, yeah, this is in Provo. Do you know where Provo is? It's south of where we are right now. <laughs> Media personality Paris Hilton, who has released the documentary This is Paris about her alleged abuse at Provo Canyon School as a teenager, is asking followers to sign a petition requesting the privately owned treatment center oh it's a treatment center it's not a school uh, okay privately owned sense. treatment center to be closed i was abused at provo canyon school and now i am taking action along with my fellow survivors so to make change between the words school and that's it says school that's i didn't i thought it was a school i didn't know it was a treatment center that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> Like, I can understand a treatment center, but a school? Good God. Look, I'm not going to get into this. I just was asking if you knew about it because no. I only ask because nothing happens in Utah noteworthy. But apparently Paris Hilton, over the past two weeks, has been in Provo protesting this <laughs> school slash retreat, 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 treatment center on the sidewalk. And the girl on that, that doesn't look like. <laughs> there's a female in this picture there's no it looks like paris hilton after she had liposuction three times over she at least have uh wait dude oh, wait. her her jaw is not normal in this picture that's what i'm saying didn't she go through drug abuse apparently because she went to a treatment center in provo utah <laughs> that would make sense 
We believe that shutting down Provost Canyon School, the domino of... We believe that shutting down Provost School, Provo Canyon School, the domino effect, we need to affect real change. That's a statement that's published in this stupid article on Gebhardt Daily. That makes almost as much sense as your story. The grammar in that sentence. Please stand with all of us survivors and let's show Provo down. Okay, I'm My done. Brain I'm, hurts. I yeah, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I don't I don't know where any of this is going. <laughs> all right. Well, it looks like Ryan has something else to say. He's got a weird, interesting look on his face. I'm just trying to understand how people <laughs> think this is Paris Hilton. This chick looks like a. I just, I'm stuck on a picture that they posted of her that they think is her. That's not her at all. I hope it's not her. For all of you listening, make sure to go to change.org. Don't vote. What? No one, don't. Just don't. No one knows what's going on here, okay? This girl doesn't even look at Paris. You know what? Yeah, Sean, tell people, go to, go to change.org and everyone can vote on the fact that this picture does not look like Paris Hilton. Report the picture. You report the picture for spam and fraud. (laughs) But with that, thanks everyone for joining us on another episode of Drunk Boys Basement. Interested in finding where else you can catch us? Follow us on Facebook. Find something you want the Drunk Boys to research and talk about next time. Let us know. And if you like hanging out, share our Facebook page. Catch you all next Friday. And remember, please listen responsibly. Hilton uses the term TTI. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. Bye.